0: You're listening to another message from Generation City Church. Would you come with me in your Bible this morning to Hebrews chapter ten? It's a um, it's a verse. It's a text that we have been um, looking at the last couple of times um, that have had the privilege to to share the word and. Um, Hebrews 10, and I I just have this sense in my heart that God wants me to share again, launching from this scripture into what he would have us um, talk about today. But Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 36, I have been organized this morning and the verses are coming up on the screen. Chapter 10 verse 36, it says you need to persevere. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. As I said, this has been the text that over the last couple of times that I've had the opportunity to share around the Word that we've we've launched from. And that, that word, persevere, the word persevere and to define the word persevere for me personally is is a determined continuing. A determined continuing. The first week that I that I shared we talked about let's keep going let's keep going let's keep going even though we're not seeing the progress even though we're not seeing the results to like the Israelites in Joshua they marched around Jericho they kept marching though they didn't see the breakthrough though they didn't see the progress oh sorry I'm getting a little bit excited and we've only just started you have to bear with me a little bit husky this morning my wife thinks it's very attractive um but um (laughs) She thinks I'm attractive, anyway. But um, that's right. When she first came to this church, she hated me. She hated my guts. She was praying against the feelings from heaven that she was having towards me. But um, stories tell you only got to look at our children to know that uh, I contributed greatly. So uh, <laughs> uh, talk about a tangent. Talk about a tangent. But. The first time we first time we spoke together, first time we spoke together was from Joshua. We talked about the Israelites who were marching around Jericho. That the fact that we need to keep going. That even though even though it can look like we're not making progress, even though it looks like that there's no results, that we need to keep going, to keep going. And like Stephen Furtick says so so powerfully, don't stop on six. Imagine if we were a people who stopped on lap six as we're going around Jericho going, this is too hard. This is just too much for me. I've got to give up. And we fail to see the breakthrough. I hope that you've kept going. I hope that you've kept going as the weeks have rolled by, as the days, maybe the hours and the minutes have rolled by. You have made a determination in your heart to keep going, no matter what you are facing, no matter what the trial or the challenge, to keep going. Keep going. I love what Kylie said this morning around God's faithfulness. He who promised is faithful he is faithful to his word and he is faithful to his promise he is faithful I hope you're holding on to those promises I hope you found more promises in the word of God that you are standing on because we know that the word of God is a sure foundation that we're not going to be shaken we're not going to be stirred we're not going to be moved when we stand on the solid rock that is his word but we don't just have his word we have his faithfulness God will do what he says in his word. He will do it. The next time we gathered and we spoke, I really felt to outline and to highlight four specific areas that we need to, as disciples of Christ, as followers, to have a determined continuing. The first one was to have a determined continuing in the word. Secondly, was to have a determined continuing with our confession. The third thing was to have a determined continuation with thanksgiving. And the fourth one was a determined continuation in praise. But you see, that's not just some random order that I was like, oh yeah, let's just do those in those orders. But but let me show you that a determined continuing, the word has to be the starting point. The word has to be the starting point. The word has to be the thing that 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 we build from and that we build on. The word is critical because we we need to allow the word to shape our confession. We need to allow the word to shape how we speak. We uh, we were talking from Proverbs eighteen, I think it was from memory. It says the 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 power of the oh, I don't know <laughs> if I'm being honest. I can't remember, but it says something to the effect of that the um. Life and death, that's it. Thank you so much. Preach it for me. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And he who loves it will eat from it. That we're going to eat from our confession. We, we sometimes think about that verse and we just talk about it. And we think about the words that I speak over someone else. The words that I speak over that work colleague or that person that I am sitting next to in my car at the traffic lights. The words that I speak over them. But so often, we don't look at it from the perspective of The confession that I'm speaking over my own life, the confession that I'm speaking over my own journey, I'm eating from it. I'm eating the confession that I speak. That's why we need to let the word of God shape our confession. Confession is something that I've struggled with greatly. Greatly. I've told you before that when I was younger and even, even through to my early 20s, I have been someone who has struggled with stuttering. I've always struggled with stuttering. You start a sentence and you go, I, 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 and then people would laugh at you and say, Which one of you is talking? Because it's like, it's like, it's like there, was this, there was this thing, like this stuttering. I just couldn't get the words out. And if you've ever battled with stuttering, if you've never battled with it, you don't understand it. The same with depression and anxiety and all those other things that we just label as, oh, hey, well, we understand what that's like. If you don't go through that yourself, you don't know. That's the reality of it. You can say you understand, but the truth is, only God understands. Only someone else that has gone through it can truly understand what it's like. But stuttering can be so debilitating. So debilitating. I used to speak it over myself. You are such an idiot. You're never going to amount to anything. You're just a waste of space. Who on earth is going to want to talk to you? Who's going to want to employ you? I sat in job interviews and stuttered my way through job interviews. I remember getting in the car. And bursting into tears, it was just too much. I was just like, man, man, I used to speak some absolute rubbish over myself. I was killing myself with my words. You're an idiot. You're never going to amount to anyone. Who's going to want to employ you? You just sound like a fool. You're stuttering you can't even get your words out. But that confession that we speak over ourselves, is so much power. That's why we've got to let the Word shape our confession. We've got to let the Word shape our confession. That I'm chosen, I'm approved, I'm loved, I'm called, I'm anointed. That's not just me. That's not what the Word says about us. That we're going to let the Word of God shape our confession. That once we let the Word of God shape our confession, if we truly let the Word of God shape our confession, we cannot help but overflow with thanksgiving. We cannot help but overflow with thankfulness at what God has done and what God has given to us. Thankfulness. A sense of gratitude begins where entitlement ends. Thankfulness. Thankfulness. But for so many of us, we're thinking about our rights and we're thinking about our entitlements. just love that verse in Thessalonians 5 it says rejoice always be thankful in every circumstance you know thankfulness is a choice it's a decision that we make if you're just one of those naturally thankful people well good on you seriously good on you if you're one of those naturally thankful people I know for me, I'm not one of those naturally thankful people. I'm going to make a decision in this head of mine to let this this head of mine flow down into this mouth of mine and out of these lips of mine to be thankful. But the Bible doesn't just say to be thankful when everything's going your own way and when everything's going the way you want it to go and when every prayer you offer up to heaven gets answered. It says, be thankful whatever the circumstances, in all things, in all things. Things. But thankfulness, when we let it be shaped and molded by the word, we can't help but overflow with praise. A determined continuing in our praise. You know, as I was thinking about this morning and thinking about this opportunity that I have to share with you, I, I feel a really strong sense to take some more time Focusing on the necessity of a determined continuing in our praise. A determined continuing in our praise. But maybe you are sitting there and you're thinking, here we go. Here goes the worship pastor talking about praise again. Don't get me wrong. That's what the enemy wants you to think. The enemy doesn't want you to realize the power that is in your praise. The enemy doesn't want you to open your mouth and begin to praise God for who he is. He wants you to stay silent. He wants you to stay in the situation and the circumstance that you are in right now. But praise is such a key component. Let's pray. Father, this morning... Thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is true. I thank you that your word is sure. I thank you that your word is a sure, solid foundation. Father, as we open up your word this morning like Paul prayed for the Ephesians, I pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would fall in this place that we would know you better. I pray that what you want to say this morning would be said and may my words my ramble, just fall away, but let what you want to say remain. I pray that you would speak to every one of our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when it comes to praise, I, I personally feel like one of the best scriptures that we can look at when it comes to praise is in Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13 and verse 15, I want to look at it from the, the amplified version. It says, through him, him being Jesus, through him, therefore, let us constantly and at all times. Let's just pause right there. Those words, constantly and at all times. So often... We let our praise be determined by what is going on around us and by how we feel. But we cannot let our praise be determined by how we feel. Therefore, let us constantly and at all times offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. Whoa, whoa, a sacrifice? I thought a sacrifice was Old Testament. I thought there was no more of these sheeps and bulls and lambs and all those kinds of things in the New Testament. Well, that's not what the kind of sacrifice is that the writer of the Hebrews is talking about. A sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice of praise simply means that I'm going to offer it even when I don't feel like it. Even when everything around me is saying, why are you praising? What have you got to praise? What have you got to praise God for? What's God done for you? Praising anyway, when we don't feel like it, when we are just feeling so low, when we're feeling so empty, that's a sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice of praise is something that costs me. Something that costs me. Something that costs. I don't always want to praise God. I do not always. I don't. It's like thankfulness. I'm just not a naturally thankful person. I'm not a naturally praisy person either. Seriously, I do not wake up in the morning joining with the hallelujah chorus in heaven, praising God. Believe me, I don't. Usually when I wake up, the first thing that comes out of my mouth is, Ethan, get back in your bed. <laughs> See, Sienna, flush the toilet tell you what, the first thing that comes out of my mouth sure isn't, hallelujah, good morning, Ethan. <laughs> no way. Sometimes they even come to church on a Sunday morning and I don't even want to pray sometimes. Sometimes. Let's be really honest. Do we want to be honest or do we want to be fake? Honest. I've lost count of the amount of times that I've... Usually I stand on this side. That I have stood here on a Sunday morning. Come on church, let's praise. And it's the last thing I've felt like doing. It's the last thing. Sometimes I just think, man, I just wish I was at home in bed. Sometimes I just wish I was at home in bed. I don't always feel like praising But I don't let how I feel determine what I'm going to do. I don't let how I'm feeling go, okay, well, God, a sacrifice of praise, not today. There has been times where that has happened, believe me. But a sacrifice of praise goes, God, even though I don't feel like it, even though nothing in my life in a natural sense makes sense to praise you for, I'm going to praise you anyway. I love that song that we've been singing this morning. I know, I'm quoting another song. I know. It says, Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forever. For endless days, we'll sing your praise. It's one of those songs that you just can't help but respond to, you can't help but sing. But it's a decision. Praising is a decision. You might be sitting here this morning and you're thinking, but I can't sing. I can't sing. God is more interested in the heart from which your song comes than how it sounds as it comes out. Because the most beautiful voice sung with a heart that is distant from God is nothing to him but the most obscene sound that comes from someone's mouth if it's if it's brought with a heart that says you know what god i'm going to praise you anyway i'm going to praise you with everything that i've got with all that is within me i'm going to praise your name i'm going to bless you and i'm going to honor you that believe me that is what god wants more That is what God wants more than a a perfected gift. That's what he wants. Hebrews 13, a sacrifice of praise, which is, which is. So not only does it talk about a sacrifice of praise, this this is how I approach reading a verse in the Bible. So if you're wondering how to read the Bible, this is not a bad little little tutorial. This is one verse and it's in the amplified version. But what I do when I, when I read is I go through and I look for the key words and I look for the key phrases. Let us constantly... So I want to have a bit of a think. I want to have a bit of a meditate on, okay, constantly. And then the, the Amplified Version says, at, at all times. Okay, so I'm going to circle constantly, and I'm going to circle at all times. Offer up to God. We haven't touched on that, but I tell you what, there's so much meat to pull out of that. A sacrifice of praise. So all I'm doing is going through and just picking these key phrases. But as we take time to actually stop and read... We find that it doesn't just say, offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, and that's it. But in this verse, it actually says what a sacrifice of praise is. A sacrifice of praise is the fruit of lips. The fruit of lips. We've already talked this morning briefly about the fruit of lips, how life and death is in the power of the tongue. The fruit of lips don't just let your praise be silent. Don't let your praise just be something that happens in your head or something that just happens in your heart. But it says the sacrifice of praise is the fruit of lips. Fruit of lips that thankfully acknowledge. Thankfully acknowledge and confess and glorify His name. For some of you, you need to take this verse home and you need it to be your verse. Some of you need to put it on the fridge. Some of you need to put it on the, um, on the toilet door or wherever you may find. For me, if I've got a verse that I'm, I'm thinking about, it's on the, the lock screen on my phone. So I can see it. As it opens up, I can see this verse. The fruit of lips that thankfully acknowledge and confess, and glorify his name. But there's that word again, thankfully. It is impossible. It is impossible to praise God from an entitled heart. It is impossible to offer God a sacrifice of praise whilst harboring a spirit of entitlement. The fruit of lips that thankfully, thankfully acknowledge and confess and glorify his name. Psalm 100. Psalm 100 says, a psalm. For giving grateful praise. That's the little pre, little bit that starts in there. But Psalm 100 starts with shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Let's keep this rolling. Shout for joy, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs know that the Lord is God it is he who made us and we are his we are his people the sheep of his pasture and then we come to verse 4 enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise give thanks to him and praise his name Verse five says, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Now let's back that up to verse four. Verse four, thankfulness and praise go together. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. When we approach God, when we come before God, to even get in the gate, we've got to come with thankfulness. With a heart of thanksgiving. With a heart of gratitude. When you came in this morning and we began to worship. Did you come with a sense of thanksgiving in your heart? Did you come with a sense of thanksgiving? Or were you so distracted by something else that was going on? Maybe a conversation that took place This morning as you came in in the car, maybe it was the fact that you couldn't find a car park or where you normally park, someone had taken that spot. But you definitely didn't come in with thanksgiving. But you see, when we come before God, when we come into where God is, the first key that opens the door, that opens the gate, is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And then it says, and his courts with praise. So, to come before God, we come with thanksgiving and then we come into His courts even deeper and even further to where He is with praise. But notice as well in this verse that that verse says absolutely nothing about us. It says nothing about us, it says, enter His gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise give thanks to him and praise his name it's not about me so often we think that praise is about us and whether we feel like doing it but it's all about him for the lord is good and his love endures forever his faithfulness verse 5 continues through all Generations. But you might be sitting here this morning going, but Joel, you don't know what's going on in my life right now. I don't have an awful lot to praise God for. It seems like everything's going wrong. And you know, sometimes life happens. I'm not in any way wanting to minimize the situations and the circumstances that people find themselves in. Some people find themselves in some horrendous situations. Whether it's something that has been done to them. Whether you have recently lost your job or you've been made redundant or an accusation was made against you which resulted in you losing your job, which was your source of income. And now you're wondering... How on earth am I going to pay for my mortgage? How on earth am I going to pay for my bills? If God really loved me, God wouldn't let that happen. If God was really there, if God really cared. I don't understand why things happen. I don't understand why people have the health challenges that they have. Please know I'm not in any way trying to diminish or minimize those things. But what I do know is that we have a God who is greater than our circumstance. We have a God who is bigger than our situation. We have a God who is stronger, a God who is mightier, and a God who is faithful to his word. For me personally, when when I am struggling and I'm needing something to fuel my praise, I turn to 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2 verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare that you may declare the praises of Him who... The praises of Him who made sure that everything in your life was honky-dory. The praises of Him who answered every prayer. The praises of Him that made sure that there was no health concerns in your life. The praises of Him that made sure that you had a steady income for all of your days. The praises of Him who provided a car. The praises of Him who provided a job, the praises of him who provided a house, the praises of him who provided a spouse. It doesn't say that. But when it comes to fuel for our worship, it says the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. If you're looking for a reason to praise If you are looking for a reason to praise. You know, I watched, as Audrey shared this morning about how one week we can come in one way, and the next week, what has happened through that week has just been awful. I have witnessed firsthand how Audrey walked that season and that journey. It's not a season or a journey that I would have wanted to have walked. But I know, and I can say confidently, that as Audrey was worshiping, and I remember standing here the two Sundays after that situation took place, and Audrey was sitting at the front here, just praising God. It didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. But I know Audrey well enough to know, that she wasn't declaring the praise of the one that made sure her life never hit a rocky rough patch, but she was praising the one who called her out of darkness and into his glorious light. Now I've said this before, but if God never ever does anything more for us From now until the end of our life, the fact that he has redeemed us, the fact that he has saved us, the fact that he has brought us out of darkness and into his glorious light is enough reason, is enough fuel to worship him and to praise him and honor him, to declare his praise for the rest of our days. We have been redeemed. We've been redeemed with imperishable seed. We've been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. We heard from Hebrews 12 this morning. This is all just tying together so beautifully. Hebrews 12, we hear about, consider Jesus. When we think about what he endured, when we think about what he went through for us, it's enough fuel for our praise. And it's enough to warrant a determined Continuation. Praise is a weapon. But more than a weapon, praise is a key. And what does a key do? A key unlocks things. A key unlocks things. Praise is the key to breakthrough. You turn with me in your Bible this morning to Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter twenty. <laughs> Second Chronicles chapter twenty. It's the story of how. Oh, it's the story of Jehoshaphat. Let's put it that way. But twenty. Second Chronicles twenty verse one. It says, after this, the Moabites and Ammonites, with some of the Mianites, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. I just want to stop there, off that one verse. These three nations, these three groups of people came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Now, let's think about this for a moment. Who was Jehoshaphat? Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. And if you've been around our church any longer than five minutes, you know what the word Judah means. Judah means praise. So here comes these three armies coming to wage war against Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. The enemy today, the enemy today is coming to wage a war against praise. Do you hear me? The enemy is coming to wage war against praise. The enemy wants to silence it. The enemy wants to destroy it. The enemy wants to squash it and push it down because he knows the power that is in praise. But so often, so often we don't persevere with our praise. Usually what happens, we talked about word, confession, thanksgiving and praise. But usually what happens If our praise is gone, it's because our thanksgiving has stopped. It means that our confession has stopped being molded by the word. But the enemy wants to squash praise. He wants to squash it down because he knows the power that is in praise. Now we're going to just sit back and just let, okay, I won't praise anymore. Or are we going to determine in our hearts that we're going to to persevere, to push through in our praise? Because the truth is, the enemy is waging a war on praise. You may not be feeling that right now, but maybe tomorrow... The enemy may want to silence you. Maybe maybe right now the enemy doesn't have to wage war on your praise because you haven't even started praising. Maybe he doesn't even need to wage a war. Maybe he doesn't need to. Maybe he doesn't need to stop you from praising because you haven't even started. That weapon is just over your shoulder or maybe it's wherever it may be, but it's in its sheath and you haven't begun to use it. But the enemy's waging a war. This story goes on. It says, some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. Jehoshaphat was alarmed. So he called all the people together And they fasted. They prayed. And you may have heard this story before, but at the end of that prayer, Jehoshaphat says to God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to tackle this. We've got this horde coming against us and we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Then a, a, a guy started prophesying and saying listen king jehoshaphat and all who live in judah and jerusalem this is what the lord says to you do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army for the battle is not yours but god's tomorrow march down against them they'll be climbing up by the pass of ziz and you will find them at the end of the gorge you will not have to fight this battle you will not still go out to the battle but you will not have to fight this battle take up your positions stand firm and see the deliverance the lord will give you do not be afraid do not be discouraged go out and face them tomorrow and the lord will be with you pretty serious situation Because you've got to remember that Judah was a tribe of Israel. Judah wasn't even this whole... We talk about Israel, we talk about the 12 tribes, but Judah was just one tribe. So Judah was quite small. and, And these people, these armies, banded together to come against them. But it tells us there that Jehoshaphat Say, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. My eyes are on you. But is that where it stopped? You see, Jehoshaphat didn't know what to do, but he kept going anyway. He didn't know how on earth they were going to win this battle or how they were going to have the victory, but they still marched to the battleground anyway. We've got to keep going. We've got to keep moving forward. We've got to keep persevering, even when it doesn't make sense in our minds, when it doesn't make sense to the the natural vision, we've got to keep going. But we know that that story doesn't end there. The story doesn't end there. And we're going to pick it up from verse 20. It says, Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem, have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you'll be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men. Jehoshaphat appointed men. Let me just take a little side note there for a second. Something happens when men praise. Something happens when men stand up. Now, I'm not talking about men being more powerful than women or anything like that. My goodness, that's, that's not what this is about. But something in the spiritual happens when men stand up and praise. When men stand up in their families. When men step up around others. When men stand up. Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army. Jehoshaphat chose a group of men. Is it just me that thinks that this sounds so ridiculous? Jehoshaphat chose a group of men to go and stand at the front of the army, out in front of the army to sing and praise God. Now, if that was me, I, I would have thought, okay, let's put our toughest, biggest, ugliest dude out the front, the guy that is just so huge and intimidating. Let's put him at the front so that when those armies see him, there's going to be just this little bit of fear that will enter his heart. That's what the natural thing would have been to do. But he appoints singers. Singers. Can you imagine if this was today? This battle takes place and you've got singers in their tight skinny jeans and their black t-shirts... Going out ahead of all these soldiers, these singers, praising and honoring God. He appointed singers, he appointed worshippers to go ahead of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. Give thanks. If that was me and I was rostered to go out at the front of the army, I'd be going, help us God or we'll be stuffed. Help us God or we're 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 stuffed. That would have been what I would have been saying. But he put these people at the front of the army and said, give thanks. Give thanks no matter what the circumstance. Give thanks no matter what's going on. Give thanks regardless of whether you feel like it. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever can you imagine this scene give thanks to the lord for his love endures i would have been pulling out every promise in my arsenal i would have been pulling out every promise and declaring them and speaking them but here these people were give thanks just give thanks just give thanks to the lord his love endures forever his love endures forever. Verse 22. As they began. As they began. The ESV version of the Bible says when they began. When they began to sing and praise. The Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah. And they were defeated. They were defeated. When they began, when they began to sing. And I feel like God is wanting me to ask you this morning. I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to know. It's like he's saying to each one of us, when, when will you begin? When will you begin to praise? When will you begin? But you know, for so many of us, praise is our response to something that happens in our life. But you see, the way that praise is designed and the way that it's, it's meant to work is praise comes first. Praise comes first. You see, it doesn't say, the Lord set ambushes, so they praised. The people of Judah had to move first. When they began to praise, when are you going to begin to praise? When? When? When are we going to be? Maybe you have never started to praise. Maybe you've never done it before. Maybe you've never engaged in it before. But maybe you have, and you've given up, and you've stopped, and you've, you've not persevered. When will you begin again to praise? Because it was as they praised The Lord set ambushes against the enemy. Now you've got to remember that in this story, they were back here praising. When they began to praise, they were still marching to the battle. Further down in the valley was where the people, where the enemy was. They didn't know that at the same time that they began to praise that God set an ambush. They had no idea what God was doing as they praised. We have no idea what God is doing as we praise him. We have no idea what God is doing when we begin to lift up and exalt and glorify and honor his name. We have no idea. But that's where... Is a step of faith. It didn't make sense to praise, but when they began, when they began, it unleashed God to be able to work in their situation and their circumstance. But as they praised, as they praised, they didn't stop, they continued. They continued, they continued to the battleground. But a determined continuing must start with a beginning. We have to start somewhere. And maybe you haven't begun to praise. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you've been too embarrassed. Maybe you've been too self-conscious. But the enemy wants to keep your mouth silent. He wants to keep you silent. He doesn't want you to rise up. He doesn't want you to begin to praise. But when we praise, God is able to move on our behalf. Praise sends sends confusion into the enemy's plans. When we praise, we do not know what God is doing as we praise, as we exalt, and as we honor and lift up his name. If the creative team could come this morning. I've just got one more verse that I want to look at. Psalm 22. Psalm 22. Psalm 22, it's a Psalm of David. Verse 1, it says, My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe that's you. God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me? Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day. But you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. I think David's laying it bare. He's laying it bare. You know, God loves it when we lay it bare before him. He loves it when we're honest with him and when we're transparent. David, the one who was the man after God's own heart, the one that wrote so many of the Psalms, that was an incredibly anointed worshiper, was going through a situation where he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? I cry by day, you don't answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Verse three, yet, 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 nevertheless, but at the same time, yet you are holy. He's feeling pretty down. He's feeling pretty low. But David in the midst didn't let himself dwell in that place of despair. Didn't let himself stay there. But he began to praise. Yet, yet, nevertheless, even though you have, it feels like you have forsaken me, even though it feels like you are not answering me, even though it feels so, you feel so far away from me, even though I'm praying and crying out to you, even though I'm reading your word, even though, even though, yet, you are holy. You are holy. David began to offer up praise. He began to offer up praise when he didn't feel like it, when it didn't make sense, when all he wanted to do was crawl into a hole. Maybe you feel forsaken by God this morning. Yet you are holy. Enthroned on the praises. Israel, enthroned on the praises of Israel. You know, enthroned is a verb. It's a doing word and it's to provide with power and authority. Please catch what I'm saying. To enthrone is to provide with power and authority. And another word that we could use for enthroned is elevate. Is elevate is to lift up, but he is enthroned. You are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. You know, when we praise, we elevate and we enthrone God, we give God power, we give God authority, we enthrone him over our situations and over our circumstances. The people of Judah, as they marched out to that valley. As they praised, when they began, when they began to sing, it elevated and enthroned God in the midst of their situation. They didn't know what was going to happen, but they enthroned Him. God longs to be enthroned in your life. He longs to show Himself strong. He longs to be there for you. He, He longs... To fight on your behalf, and it's our praise that enthrones Him over our lives. It's His, pra- it's our praise that enthrones Him. Will you enthrone Him? Will you enthrone Him? Will you begin? Will you begin? Will you begin again? Will you have a determined continuation in your praise? Yet you are holy, enthroned, given power and authority, elevated on the praises of Israel. Father, I thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are faithful. I thank you that you are sure. A solid, firm foundation. Father, I I pray this morning for every single person who is here. Father, I pray empower us with your grace to begin to praise, to enthrone you, to elevate you over our lives, over our family, over our workplace, over our marriage.